Wow. So um, as I was sitting here uh, throughout some of our earlier sessions, I was just so moved by all the speakers. And I, found this, I felt a certain kind of tension in, in my heart for all the people of color, for a lot of the white people in the audience. The situation that we're in right now as a church and as a country, for the most part, everybody in this room, we're all trying to learn. For the most part, we're all victims of the social constructs that our country has created. I'm gonna say that again. For the most part, we're all victims of it. For a person, if you're white and you hear a lot of these conversations, you're like, but you know what? I didn't start this. I was born into this myself. If, if you're someone that you're a person of color, you're thinking, well, I just want my voice to be heard in this conversation. And so we all come to the table from different perspectives. But one thing that I know I could agree on is that we're all victims of it. But together, we don't have to be a victim any longer. And as I think as Onia mentioned, together only the church can really take the gospel of the kingdom just to a whole new level in, in everywhere. So I just really want to, uh, I guess, affirm everybody um, for listening, for engaging, for opening up your hearts as we really talk about some really, really important um, conversations. Amen? So uh, my topic today that I'm going to be talking about is a theology of community engagement as it relates to the church. I'm going to say that again. The theology of community engagement as it relates to the church. Why should a church get involved in their community? So this one word is going to help us it's a Latin word, and it's going to help us put a framework on everything I'm going to talk about uh, this evening. And that Latin phrase is uh, sine qua non. Can you guys say that? Sine qua non. And in Latin, that means without which there is not. I'm going to say it again. Without which, not. So without this one thing, something else cannot exist. So if I paint a picture for you, we all know Colin Kaepernick. So for Colin Kaepernick, the sine qua non of his message was uh, police brutality, his belief, his belief of police brutality against people of color. So without that, there would be no kneeling. That was the sine qua non of his message. Although it has been taken to mean something else, but his heart was that. If you take in the court of law, we see the sine qua non there in the court of law as well. Uh, an attorney might say, without the DNA evidence, I could not have had this conviction. So the sine qua non, that's the, the DNA is the evidence. And of course, I love this in the area of baking. If you have a chocolate chip cookie... Without chocolate chips, you ain't got what? It ain't happened, Captain. <laughs> chocolate chips are the sine qua non of the chocolate chip cookie. You need that to have a chocolate chip cookie. Otherwise, it's not. 
So when we want to talk about what's the theology of community engagement, what's the theology of the church get involved in the community, we first got to ask, what's the sine qua non of the church? Because if we fail at that, if we don't understand the theology of that, we get everything wrong. Let me break it down for you. We talk about values and beliefs. Someone says, well, I, I value all human life. Well, I value all life. And they're eating a steak. They don't value all life. They value all human life. But someone who says, I value all life, doesn't eat steak because they value all life. So sometimes our value systems are override by our unknown belief systems. So until you attack the belief systems and get that right, you can't deal with your values. So for that person who believes that all life is valuable, they can't eat meat for, you know, cows or whatever. They just can't do it. So for us to unpack the question, what is a sine qua non of the, uh, uh, of the church? And to really deal with why should we get involved in community engagement, we've got to understand what's the purpose of the church. Now, I want to read this phrase to you to kind of get our minds right as we begin this journey. A sign of spiritual maturity is the openness to unlearn what is untrue to relearn what is true. A sign of spiritual maturity is the openness, is the humility to unlearn what is untrue, to relearn what is true. Otherwise, you have the same values that it's not getting anywhere because we haven't dealt with the belief systems that's underneath the values. You see, that's how Jesus operated. If you think of an iceberg, there's the top of the iceberg that you see, and then there's the underneath of the iceberg. When we have a conversation, we stay at the top level, at values. But when Jesus has a conversation, he goes straight to the beliefs that's hidden way deep down in the conversation that you don't see about. You have heard it says, if you don't, don't sleep with somebody's spouse. But I say unto you, he goes down underneath it. Don't even look at a woman because the question was not about sleeping with somebody else. The question and the matter at hand was about possessing something that doesn't belong to you. Your neighbor's spouse don't belong to you, so don't take her in your mind. He goes down deep. So let's talk about the church this evening. I'm going to talk about a passage in Matthew 16. I'm not even going to read it for the sake of time. We all know it. If you don't know it, you can read it when you get home. Jesus was talking to one of his favorite apostles. And he asked, who do you say I am? And he says, you are the son of God, the Messiah. And Jesus says, whoa, Peter, man didn't tell you that, Peter. No one could have gave you that revelation. And he told him, he said, Petros, upon that, I will build my Petra. I'll build, uh, I'll build my rock. I'll build my church upon this revelation. And he used a Hebrew wordplay. The word Peter, it means Petros, which means small rock. And then when he says, I will, I will build, he used another word, which is a massive rock. So he's saying, Peter, upon that revelation, I will build my church that I am the Messiah. What was the point of the Messiah? The point of the Messiah was to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. He's bringing the kingdom here on earth. 
And he says, upon that, I will build my ecclesia. So what's the question? What are we trying to answer? What is the sine qua non of the church? What is the thing that without that, you ain't got no church? He says, upon this revelation, I build my ecclesia. The word ecclesia in the Bible um, has been, it's in there 115 times. And of the 115 times that it's in the New Testament Bible, it's translated 112 times church. The other three times is found in Acts 19 and is translated assembly. In Acts 19, if you read it, they had a mob. The apostles started trouble and they had a mob going on. And some officials came out from the mob and said, hold on, what are y'all doing? You can't meet here in this ecclesia because you don't have orders to meet here. But in the other 112 times, it was translated church. William Tinsdale lost his life and was burnt at the stake over this particular thing and a couple other ones. He was one of the world-renowned translators. And when the church was hijacked by kings, they told him, you cannot translate that word church to ecclesia because you will take the power away from the kings who are ruling the earth at that time. Because that means that everybody can be in power. That means that anybody could assemble at any time and do the work of God. And he said, I can't do that. And he was burnt at the stake. So the word ecclesia, it is an assembly of people gathering together, a called out one, but it goes deeper than that. It's not a religious term. We've turned, we've turned the kingdom of heaven into a religion. There's two other words that Jesus could have said when he said, I'm going to build my ecclesia. He could have said, I'm going to build upon this revelation. I'm going to build it on my temple because they had a temple. He didn't say temple. He could have said upon that revelation, I'm going to build it on my synagogue. They had a synagogue. He didn't say synagogue. He said, I'm going to build this upon an ecclesia. An ecclesia is literally a political party consisting of about 200 people that had to serve almost two years of military service, and they are sent out on behalf of an of a emperor to gather and make decisions for home base in another city. Let me break it down some more. So when you go to some place like uh, New York, you might have, um, I guess maybe it's Chinatown or it's an area like that or some, some, some sort. But there's a group of people who bring a certain culture into somewhere that is unknown. So Jesus is saying, my ecclesia will bring the culture of heaven, my assembly, into earth, into every community, into every place. He looked at the temple. He said, I'm going to tear this thing down because this thing is not mobile enough for the work I needed to do. The synagogue is too religious for the things that he's got to do. So the theology of community engagement hinges on the very fact that the church was designed to be mobile. It was designed to be get up and go. And because it needs to be mobile, I'm going to take the spirit out of the building and put it in the people. So the ecclesia is the temple. I'm going to take the synagogue where they learn all the theology and I'm going to, oh my goodness, we're not under the law anymore because it's written in our hearts. 
So in one new method that did not replace Judaism, now rather than having one nation of only Jews to bring about the kingdom of heaven, he's using all nations, putting the spirit, putting the word in them, and he says, go. So, furthermore, some of the context of Jesus, and we're, we're packing what is the church, because we really got to unpack that to get into why we should get involved in the community. In that time, they called the Roman emperor the Pax Romana. You can look all this up. It's all in history. When they would take over a place, they would proclaim their evangelion, their, their gospel, their, their good news. And when your tribe or kingdom submitted to Rome, they would nail their evangelion, their good news, and they would announce it on a post for all to see that Rome is here. There's peace. Also, when they took over, they would say salvation can be found in no other name save Caesar. That's why in the book of Acts, they were disappointed because they're preaching that there's another Lord. There's another king. Salvation is found in somebody else. They're like, no, 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 no. That's why they're saying you disciples keep causing trouble in every place you go because they're like, you're trying to overthrow this thing. The disciples were on a whole new level. They weren't trying to plant churches. They were trying to build the kingdom. They also had this idea. It's called the Prining, uh, Prining Calendar Inscription. And Prining is an ancient Greek city sited in western Turkey. And at the beginning of the gospel announcing his kingdom of Caesar Augustus that heralded peace and salvation all over the earth, they started a new calendar year. They had the idea of starting a new at the birth. You see all the correlations here with Jesus? They also had the Conventus Civium Romanorum. And that is when two or three people from Rome gathered together, they formed an assembly and they brought Rome there. So this idea of Jesus saying, we're two or more gathered in my name. So Jesus, Isaiah chapter 9, a child is born and what's going to be on his shoulders? A religion, a temple, a church, a government. And what's that government going to do? It's going to bring peace. It's going to bring justice. It's going to bring righteousness. It's going to bring honor. It's going to bring glory. Not in a building, not in a church building, it ain't. And so this whole concept of the church, it's to bring, bring the governance of the kingdom of heaven everywhere. So in our communities, there should be no confusion because we bring the spirit of the wonderful counselor. In our community, there should be no orphans because he is the everlasting father and the mother hen. In our communities, there are no conflicts because he is the prince of peace. In our communities, there is no injustice because he is just. In our communities, there are no rebels because he sets righteousness. There's no hate because he is love. So literally, the effects of the community is a sign of whether or not the kingdom of heaven has been brought there or not. If there's poverty, there ain't no kingdom. 
If there's pain, there's no kingdom. And what makes the church different from from, uh, the Red Cross or any of these wonderful agencies that does these things? (laughs) You see, the church, we know that we are made in the image of God. We're a spiritual being with, with physical needs as well as spiritual needs. So when the church brings peace, we heal you physically, the emotional, we heal all that. But we also have the power to bring spiritual healing into your life. That's what the ecclesia does. You know, there's this example I used, I used to hear in Bible college, which is this whole notion of, you know, we got to preach the gospel. We got to preach the gospel. If a house is burning down, you're not just going to let them stay in there and burn, right? You're going to go in there and rescue them, right? So if you see your friends and they're dying and the house is burning and they don't, they don't know Jesus, you got to go rescue them and save their soul. That's good, right? But, you know, that's, that's evil, you know why? That whole analogy has nothing to do about figuring out how I'm going to help you get your house back. That whole analogy stops. I got to get you out and save your soul. But what about my house? My house is burnt. We've been doing so much religion, we forgot that we are the ecclesia. We are the government. We are the thing that he puts this whole thing on our shoulders, on our backs. People out there hurting. They don't want to know about my Jesus and that he saves souls. They want to know, can you get me some affordable housing? They want to know that I've been abused, I've been hurt, I'm fatherless, I'm homeless. Can you help me with that first? And so the ecclesia, that is the church, is wherever they are represented They are citizens of the kingdom of God and mobilized to proclaim the good news of the kingdom and Jesus through mission, worship, and discipleships. Discipleship, that's that's what we do. That's why we got to be engaged in the community. I want to take a look at some more scriptures that really um, highlights these, these aspects. There's an aspect in Matthew chapter 25. It talks about... Um, two 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 types of people uh Jesus tells a parable how he gives someone some talents and one person used all the talents and he he doubled it he multiplied it and the other person had talents and he multiplied and Jesus kept saying well done well done well done and Jesus came to the other person and he asked him what did you do with the talent I gave you and pretty much he said nothing I sat on it I didn't do anything with he said you wicked servant you wicked He said, get out of here. Our talents that God gives us is the very thing that he wants us to take and serve up to the community. So the church, the physical building, the synagogue is the place where evangelists, pastors, apostles, shepherds, and teachers come and train you to discover your gifts so that you can then go serve it up. So you need both. You need the physical building to be trained up. So that you can go and serve up your gift. But if you're not getting trained up to know your gift, how are you going to go serve it up? Being a greeter at church is like doing dishes at home. Hey, it's just somebody's got to open the door. Right? Leading the class. It's just different things. But the work ain't done in here. This is where we get trained to go out there to do the work. 
And so if we don't discover our gifts in the house of God, if we don't identify those gifts, sharpen those gifts, become a master at those gifts, Jesus says, man, get out of here with all that. He didn't spend any of his time in the, in the synagogue. He spent a little time in the synagogue. He spent a little time in the temple, but most of the time was spent where? In the community. Another passage that I love is a passage where the Jesus and the disciples, he talks about an, an, an idea, what's this theology behind community engagement, where he's talking about uh, people who came and they said, um, Lord, he tells them, depart from me, I never knew you. And they're like, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? You can look all these scriptures up. I said, Lord, didn't I do all these miracles? Didn't I do all these spiritual things in your name? He says, depart from me, you, you, you evil. You spiritual. Yeah, you prophesied in, your, in my name, but that wasn't you. That was me. Because you prophesied by the Spirit of God. Yeah, you did healing, but that wasn't you. That was me, because I got the gift of healing. Yeah, you did all these spiritual things, but you know what? When I was hungry, you didn't feed me, because that takes money out your pocket. He said, when I was in jail, you didn't come visit me, because I take time out of your day, out of your soccer games, out of your baseball games, out of your busy life. That, you didn't come. You didn't do anything that cost you a darn thing for me. Get out of here. You wicked. You religious. You see, the ecclesia is about a group of mobilized, Holy Ghost-filled, money in their pocket. They ain't broke neither. Because, man, oh my gosh, Micah, he says, you, you evil because you robbing from me. You taking from me because the 10% that's mine, you keeping it. And you making my house poor. So that when we need to go mobilize and build some schools and do some things, I ain't got no money because you ain't giving. Religion, I have you talking about, is it 10% pre-tax, after-tax, all that? That's religion, man. Kingdom will say, take it all, pastor. You can have more, pastor. Because I trust you. I know you're going to do right with my money. I see what you're doing with my money in the community. I see what you're doing with my money in my neighborhood. And you can have as much of it as you want. I'll start another business for my church. We have the privilege to extend the kingdom of God into our community in the name of Jesus. It's a, it's a privilege. It's an honor. <laughs> the Bible says the glory of the Lord will, will cover the earth as the, as the seas, you know, covers, covers, the, covers the world and all that stuff. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> you know, when he says that, religion will have you thinking about a cloud. Man, what's that going to do for people to have a cloud covering the earth as the waters cover the sea? Man, that's nothing. I don't want that. Jesus says, Father, I have given them your glory. The Bible says we were made in the image of God. So when the glory of the Lord is covering the seas, it's the manifestations of the sons of God, realizing who they are and taking that everywhere to all ethnos, to all nations. The glory can't cover the community unless we go. 
that's what it means for the glory to cover it all. So, the biblical framework for engaging, honoring, and building relationship in the places God has you, it centers on the reality that the people in those spaces, they're created in the image of God. And as such, they are deserving of engagement. They are deserving of honor. And they are deserving of relational capital investment. Without the demonstration of the kingdom of God through de- good deeds in the community, I'm going to say that again, without the demonstration of the kingdom of God through good deeds in the community and the spaces you're in and the proclamation of the life of Jesus, you have no credibility to call yourself a church. You can't do it. Because to be in the community and engage in the world is the sine qua non of the church. Without that, without which, you ain't got no church. You got religion. You got stuff, but you ain't got no church. So I I, I pray that this message has sparked a deep passion in your being and your spirit to take some nails, to take some hammers, and just bury religion. Because it'll keep you in the building all day long long but when we understand the kingdom of uh, dynamics of being engaged we come to our church we come to our pastors we come to our leaders and say pastor shape me mold me develop me so we still come into the to the synagogue but then after we are released to go and in regards to our community i want to close with this um this this phrase by c.s lewis i loves it this is kind of how I, I approach everyone I meet with. It may be possible for each to think too much of his own potential glory hereafter. It is hardly possible for him to think too often or too deeply about that of his neighbor. The load or the weight or the burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid daily on my back. A load so heavy that only humility can carry it and breaks, excuse me, and backs of the proud, it will be broken. It is in a lot of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe of the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all love, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. We've never talked to mere mortals, nations, cultures, or civilizations. And so his whole essence here is that the people in our community, they bear the glory of God. That's what we see first. Not their sexuality, not their belief system, not their legal status. We see the image of God in them first. And through that, we engage. Let me pray. Lord, we... We are so convicted deeply by your mission to come and bring your kingdom here on this earth. A kingdom that's not violent, a kingdom that serves, that gives life. 
that's humble, bold, and courageous. And so, Father, I pray for everyone in this room that you would bless them this evening. You would give them courage, strength, and glory to proclaim your name in their communities, we pray, to be developed and trained in their churches, all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.